0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bible study. Let's pray. Daddy, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this time that we have to come together, and I pray that we don't even have to understand how you work but one thing we do know is that when we come into a place and we hear grace, when we leave, we're different than when we came in. So let that take place today, and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're going to answer a question today, and that question is, what is faith? There's a whole lot of preconceived notions, but we want to look scripturally what faith is. Okay, so i got a couple of definitions. The first one is in the Greek. It's pistis, which is a divine persuasion. A divine persuasion. So think about this. It's not us persuading ourselves. It's him persuading us. That's key right there to understand that, okay? The Hebrew, which is more rich, I think, is the Hebrew word emuna. Everybody say imuna. imuna. Now this word, I'm going to break it down a couple of different ways. The first way is... Imun, which is the word faithful. And then with a hey at the end of a word, in Hebrew grammatics means it's feminine, which means what comes from, so it's what comes from God's faithfulness. What comes from God's faithfulness. Okay. And another way you can break it down, the word im means mother. Here, we're getting ready to understand that faith is coming from the feminine characteristics of God, not the masculine. In the Hebrew, it shows this. So, M is mother, noon is life, and hey is grace. Let's say this, that the mother's life is to give grace. The mother's life is to give grace. Wow. What comes from his faithfulness. Okay. Now, what is the opposite of faith? See, automatically, first thing we do, and I, and I could understand by some of the scriptures we see, we would say it was doubt. Ah, uh-uh, but let's look at it closer. So uh, Galatians 3, 12, and Romans 4:14. 4, listen to this. The law is void of faith. For if they that are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. So the opposite of faith is law, because it's void of faith. Listen to this word, void. It's the Greek word, kinu. It's unfruitful discussion, and it's empty. Imagine you thirsting after running a marathon, and you needed something to drink, and all you had was an empty bottle. That's what the law is. It's void of producing anything. It's it's void of producing any kind of fruitfulness. It was never intended to. Romans 5.20, it says that the law was given that the offense might abound. What's the offense? Sin. So why? So where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Starting to get a picture here. See, the law is, simply put, self-confidence. Your self-confidence voids faith because there's nothing for you to rely on from God. Because you're doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we can all have this. Man, I've been I've I've been under the grace message for 14 years, and I still have areas of my life, you know, that I need help with to get over, and to let him take control, and for me to get rid of my self confidence. Okay, so let's get a little picture here. Of what happens now? Moses at Mount Sinai is the key point. But before that, they were under grace. They came out by the blood of the Lamb. They were baptized through the sea. Grace after grace after grace. Even when they murmured and complained, grace after grace after grace. But when they got to Mount Sinai, they said, hey, let us have our own self-confidence. Whatever you say, we will do. Whatever you say, we will do. So what they did is they took grace and they mixed it with law. And because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and never saw the promised land. It is so dangerous to take our self-confidence and mix it with grace. Listen, that doesn't change who you are and what you have in Christ. But it can affect the quality of your life while you're here on earth. But here's the good news. Even when we're in our own self-confidence, he knows how to get us out, so he's not going to leave us nor forsake us there. He will bring us out. Amen? And we will learn from that process and come back and we'll realize and recognize our own self-effort can accomplish nothing and only him by his grace can accomplish all things. So, faith, is it a work or do we receive it? See, I was originally taught And God bless those people. That's what they were taught. And that's what they were taught before that. And that's what they were taught before that. I was taught faith was a work. It's something that you had to continually do to have. Now, if that's true, then that means there's no rest from that. And if there's no rest from that, God says, what does he say in Hebrews uh, chapter 4? They did not enter into my rest. What was his rest? That his works were finished. And that we have rested from our labor just as he has. Well, Eric, does that mean I don't get up and go to work? Eric, does that mean that I don't get up and, uh, you know, wash my car? Eric, does that mean I don't get up and, you know, uh, go do ministry? No. But when you're doing those things out of a self-effort mentality, they're empty and they can't bring forth any fruit. Man, I've seen God, I remember one time, I wasn't even planning to say this. So I went back to college because I thought I needed to get an education. It was a big mistake. It was, I, I responded out of my flesh, like trying to do something to make something happen because other things hadn't happened. And, but listen to this, even in that, so I was never good in math. The, the highest education I had was math was eighth grade. I dropped out when I was 16. And so basically eighth grade math. And then you know how Different it is now, or even it was 10 years ago, compared to when I was in eighth grade. was a long time ago, okay? And um, I remember I got into the uh, algebra class. Yeah, look at her face. She already knew it's not good. And I was so stressed out, but I got to the point, he led me to the point where I asked him and I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Do you know what? My my, uh, point O was in there. 4.0 average. Even when I went into something that necessarily wasn't the best thing for me to do, he still blessed me and gave me what I needed to be able to pass that class. That's how good he is. Even when we're off, he's still good. Why? Because everywhere we were off, Jesus paid for it so that God on a righteous foundation could give us what we don't deserve. So mixture and confusion, God loves me, he doesn't love me. I'm righteous, I'm not righteous. I'm holy, I'm not holy. Mixture, it brings confusion, right? We're never really sure. Do you know also uh, this word imuna. listen to what it actually means as well. To be secure in God's faithfulness. To be secure in God's faithfulness. You have security and that security wasn't built by you. It was built by him and he put you in it. So now that you have a guarantee that can't ever be broken, that he's going to be faithful to you even when you're not. Well, Eric, man, that just sounds like you're taking advantage of grace. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. We don't have a right to say when it's enough grace because we didn't pay for it. He paid for it, so he's the only one that says enough. And with him, it's never enough. He never stops giving and never stops giving and never stops giving and never, why? He is a giver, that's who he is. And he's taking care of anything that could have disqualified us by the law. And Jesus fulfilled the law To the point where it was put away with and we needed it no more. So now God, again, on a righteous foundation can give us what we don't deserve when we don't deserve it. And that's what true grace is. And the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. Amen? So, it's not a work. Like I said, if it's a work, you're never at rest. Because you're always trying to do something to have it. And God says one thing. He said, fear. Fear. That you don't enter into my rest. Not that oh now bad's gonna happen to you or God's gonna do something to you. No, that because of not entering to rest, we'll be tiresomely laboring for things that He just wants to give us anyways because He's that good. So, faith—it's we receive it. Now we all know Romans ten seventeen, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is the present tense. So it says hearing and hearing. So it's a continuous tense that we receive faith. We're going to go into details about this, but it's a continuous tense. Now listen to this. The word for hearing is akayo, and it means to hear a good report. Hey, listen, if you're listening to mixture somewhere, You're not getting a good report. It's a good report mixed with a bad report. When you bring it together, it's null and void because there's nothing there to give because both those covenants that is being mixed together have wiped out the other one from being effective. So key. So key that we don't mix covenants. We don't mix the suzerain vassal and we don't mix the royal grant covenant, grace law. You can't be under Law and grace and expect to do anything and go anywhere in life. Think about this. Has anybody ever uh, done a peel out in their car and they hit the brake and the gas at the same time and the wheels were spinning, but you didn't go nowhere? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like being under law and grace. And you're spinning and burning the rubber on your tires and you're wearing it down. That's a picture of you being worn down, right, from all the striving and straining that we try to do to try to do whatever we need to do to get from God or whatever we're thinking we need to get in the way we need to get it. Amen. All right, so what's interesting, the word Sabbath in Hebrew, Shabbat, right? You've all heard this before. Let me show you what this means, a couple things. First, First meaning, shub means to return. Tav is a picture of a cross. So Sabbath or rest is to return and to see what was done at the cross. And then you'll be at rest because you see the work is finished. Now, another definition of Sabbath, Shabbat, is to set down and to sit down. So you're doing something with your hands and you set it down and then you go ahead and you sit down and you're at rest. Now you're ready to receive. Now you're ready to receive. See, You setting down and sitting down will put you in a posture to be able to receive what you could never do for yourself. And by receiving that, it's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So don't ever worry about where the fruit's going to come from. It will come. Why? Because you set it down and you sat down. So think about whatever you're striving and straining to do with your hands to make it happen, set it down. Sit down and receive that the work's finished and it will produce in you love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. So let's talk about an example. So we're going to talk about two different believers. Both believers, but they're, each one's in a different posture. Martha and Mary. Remember those sisters, Lazarus sisters? So one day Jesus and the disciples, they're going to go to her house and um, it's common in their culture for the women to prepare the food and serve the men. That is the right thing to do. Listen, let me tell you something, and I've learned this. Doing the right thing ain't always the right thing. And we're going to see it right here. So uh, so Martha, now let's look at their names and what they mean. Martha, okay, literally means Lord. What? Lord. Lord. L-O-R-D, Lord. Or mistress. You think somebody that's got the mentality that they're Lord of their own life, that they need anything from anybody else? The greatest thing, gift that you can get is to see your need for him all the time and that you can't do anything on your own. It's the greatest gift. And sometimes... He'll allow things to happen in your life. He is not the author and finisher of him, but he will allow things to happen in your life to bring you to your end so that you can see that you need him and you can't do it on your own. He loves you that much because the end result is a greater gain than what you went through. Mary, Miriam, means bitter and rebellious one. You think she knows she's pretty jacked up? (laughs) bitter and rebellious so we have two believers one's lord and one's bitter and rebellious so what happens is that martha is doing what is you know culturally acceptable and she's preparing the food and she stops for a minute and she sees mary sitting at the feet of jesus remember sit down sit down Listen, when you're frustrated next time, I'm going to give you this for you to do. When you're frustrated with something next time, set it down and sit it down and watch what God does. Martha is, you know, doing all this stuff and Mary's just sitting there. Isn't that how it is with people that got mixture and people that got grace? You're just sitting around, you're not even doing anything. Yes, they are, they're receiving. How can, if you don't receive from him, are you going to be able to give anything to anybody else? So she says, you know, Lord, bid my sister to come help me. And listen to what he says. Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. Isn't that how we can get in life sometimes? Troubled about many things. What does that mean? That we've picked up those things and we've played Lord and tried to you know, fix those things when the whole time we should have set it down and sit it down so that he could take care of those things for us. So basically, Martha was rebuking Jesus for allowing Mary to sit there. And then Jesus said something profound. Mary has chosen the one thing that is needful and it shall not be taken away from her. And what was she doing? She was sitting down receiving his word. We can do that in prayer. We can sit down and receive his word. We can do it right now. What you're doing, you're sitting down and you're receiving the word. The more you sit sit down and sit down and receive, the more fruitful your life will be. Little counterintuitive from what we've been trained in church to believe, oh, you know, God blesses those who work really hard. No, I'm just saying, this is stuff I heard when I was in church. <laughs> and the whole time, he's like, I've got this amazing thing for you. Just give up the trash you're holding to and let me give you the best that I got. And he did that through Jesus. So everything else is through that. We get his best. So what's our focus now? What do we focus on now? Our problems? Hey, I agree. Man, when you're going through something, it's live and in living color. We're not going to candy coat that, right? I mean, it, you know, our, our mind, our emotions, they're all out of whack. I mean, everything's looking like... Listen, even when you're like that, he knows how to come rescue you. Any of you having children, if your child was drowning, would you have them get it all right before you save them? Absolutely not. And if us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does the Father in heaven know how to give gifts to us? That's what he is. He's a savior. Yeshua. It means salvation. It means savior. So Hebrews 12, 1, 2. Listen to this. This is very interesting. I had this study quite a long time ago. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh My God, you ever get that revelation of grace and you're like, oh, how all these years I've missed it. And finally I have it and it's so amazing, right? This was one with right here. So listen to this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. What's he talking about? It's singular sin. So what's the sin that he's talking about? The labor of the law. By the way, sin also can mean to miss the mark. So we can miss the mark by trying to live under the law and labor under the law. Which so easily besets us. It it, it prevents us from accomplishing what God has for us. My personal opinion, from what I came from, it took something that devastated my life to where I was open to grace. It was at the right place at the right time. He divinely orchestrated that. And I was so open, I just received it gladly and received it gladly and received it gladly. And guess what, 14 years later, I'm receiving it gladly, I'm receiving it gladly. It hasn't gone away like you think, oh yeah, you're just excited about it. No, I'm still, I'm excited now more than I ever was before because I know more than what I knew now about grace. And I've experienced more than I had before about grace. Then listen to what he says. So let us lay aside every weight. A oh, weight, it's a burden you're carrying. The law is a burden. And you trying to get it, guess what? It will wear you down until you have nothing left because that's the job that it was intended to do and brings you to naught so that you can see him and every good thing that he has for you. This is counterintuitive, but God loves to give his best to people that don't deserve it. You know why? Because they'll be more thankful. Remember Jesus said about the woman that was a prostitute and she came and basically broke the alabaster box and washed his feet and, and, uh, you know, and all those things that, that she did. And he says, she loves me more because she's been forgiven much. But you all Pharisees that think you're only forgiven little based on the sacrifices of the animals once a year at the day of Yom Kippur, you only, you only love little. Is it that the woman had more sins than them? No, their sin was self-righteousness. That was worse than what the woman had. But she knew she was forgiven much, therefore she loved much. The more you know about grace and you've encountered and experienced grace, the more you will appreciate grace. And you'll know it doesn't bring license to sin. On the contrary, it brings the fruit of the Spirit. But by the way, grace takes time. loss is instantaneous. You do good, you get good. But grace takes time because you got people that are broken that are trying to receive something that already think that they're not worth anything and it takes time to build up in them, them knowing how much they're valued. Listen, I've never seen a person that loves themselves go out and destroy their life. It's people that don't believe they're loved that go out and destroy their lives. So our focus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. That word looking, it's very intense. It literally means to block everything else out and have one focal point. All those burdens, block them all out and focus on that one thing that is Jesus in his finished work on the cross. Now listen to this. So faith. We've talked about what it is. We talked about how to receive it. We even gave an example with Martha and Mary that one was hindered from receiving and the other one wasn't because of of their conditions, okay? But now let's look at this point. Where did faith come from? Hey, if you read Hebrews 11, faith founded the world. You know, that's the first example it gives, that faith founded everything in existence. First, it tells about faith, but then it says faith founded everything. He is faith. Faith isn't a subject that we teach about. It's a person, and his name's Jesus. Yeah. He is faith. Do you know uh, Genesis, Barashit, right? Bar, is son, sheet, brought forth in marvelous light. In the beginning, before anything existed, he was there. And then it tells us in Colossians that all things were created by him, through him, and for him. He is faith. Listen, you're in Christ, so you're in faith. It's not your effort to have faith. He is your faith for you. So listen to this. Author, archaegos, it means chief leader. It means he's first. And whatever goes with him follows the rest of us. And then, I love this part. Finisher. It's the Greek word teleos. So, do you know when it says, it is finished? Remember, we all know this. Jesus said, it is finished. Teleistai. But the root word for finish is teleos. That means... It's a perfect work that doesn't ever need to be repeated again. It's in the perfect tense. So our faith that we have as a free gift from him, that he is that faith, is a perfect work and nothing ever needs to be added to it again. Because saying that we have to add something to faith is saying that what Jesus did wasn't good enough. Amen? Okay, so I got a little story. Anybody ever been through one of those transitions in life and you just didn't know how things were going to work out? Sort of like Peter, he was walking on the water and then all the waves were boisterous and, you know, and he's like, Lord, save me. You know what I mean? It's, that's how we feel. Like we're going through this transition time and we're like, Lord, just save me already. Anybody feel me? Yeah. Right? So um, everybody, like, amen to that. Yeah. Uh, so let me tell you the story, and then I'm going to give you the scripture. So uh, I was an uh, overseer at the batter organization, which is Born Again Delivered Disciples. I'd been with them for four and a half years, and I was working with the children's ministry. And they told me I couldn't do it anymore, that only the women in the ministry were going to work with the children and none of the men. Okay? And I wanted to work with children. So uh, Bill Wilson, which is the founder of Metro International in New York City, um, and he's, they're all over the world. He came and, and preached, and I said, man, that guy had, like, there's something about this guy. You know, when you listen to somebody speaking, you're just like, I can't put my fingers, there's just something about this guy or, or, this, or this gal, you know? It's, and um, so anyways, uh, I was thinking about leaving, but I wasn't sure where to go, and somebody put this CD that I don't know who did to this day in my little CD case. This was back in 2005 or four, somewhere around, I think 2004, 2005, and uh, that's when we were still rocking the CDs. You know, of course, now everybody's got their music on their phone. That's how long ago that was. And um, it was him, Bill Wilson, preaching a sermon two weeks after 9-11. By the way, if you didn't know, they're in Brooklyn, New York. That's where, that's where, that's, you know, where their main campus is in Brooklyn, New York. That's where the founder started it you know, and all that. And um, I heard it, and I just knew... I was supposed to go there. I didn't even know if they had an internship. I didn't know if they had staff openings. I didn't know anything. So I called my mom, and my mom's like, hey, Eric, uh, just, you know, come home, okay? And so she paid for my flight from California to Florida and went home, and so... I went immediately uh, to the library because, like, things that was all old school. I had to go there and, like, get online and then, like, you know, have it printed out and then send the application in. They didn't have it to where you could fill it out online. The, it, you still had to send the application in, like a written application. And uh, so I sent it in. And one, of, and one of the questions on there was Have you, have you ever been you know, convicted of a felony? And I have. If you didn't know, I have. You want to talk to me later about it? Cool, we'll talk. Um, and my dad was like, man, why did you do that? They're never going to let you work with kids. I mean, rightfully so, right? I mean, I didn't have anything that would, would, like, disqualify me in terms of, you know, the things that I did. Those wouldn't have, but they were still felonies. Just saying. Um, and uh, I remember there was a lot of strife between me and my dad. Our relationship was just starting to get back on track, but this, like, sort of just rocked the boat, you know? And... Um, He didn't know, like, you know, if I was going to get in, then what was I going to do? Was I going to stay there and live with them? You know, he just wasn't comfortable with the whole thing. And so I didn't hear from him for months. And can I be honest? I was at a point where I was like, I already was defeated. I I didn't think this was ever going to happen. And I got a call one day. And my mom said, it's the people from New York. And I got on the phone with them. And Bob and Colleen Fulford, they were, the, they were the house parents for the internship. And Bob was on the phone, and he's like, hey, Eric, how's everything going? I said, yeah, man, I was waiting. I haven't heard from you guys. He goes, yeah, we have a real strict process. You know, you can understand, you know, working with children and stuff like that. And uh, by the way, I put everything, I didn't leave anything off on my application. I put all my dirt on the application in detail, mind you. He goes, can I talk to you off the, you know, off the record? And I'm like, oh, here it comes. I mean, just go ahead and tell me now. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Where am I going to go? You know, blah, 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 blah. You've been accepted into the fall semester of Metro International. And dude, I broke and I just cried. See, that was the first time that I really realized that God gives good gifts to even those who don't deserve it because I didn't deserve it, but I got another chance. And that was my passion. And however God worked that out, I don't know the details to this day, and I don't have to understand the details. One thing I know, even in the midst of you having messed everything up, he can come in and he can make a beautiful tapestry out of it that will be a glory for his grace for the whole world to see. Let me give you a scripture, then I'll let you guys go. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13. He cannot deny himself. Do you know himself? We are one body with him. For him... To deny us, he would have to deny himself and he can't because there's been a covenant made and we are part of that covenant and it was made between God the Father and God the Son. And guess what? It cannot be broken. He can't deny us. You messed up, he can't deny you. You're in a bad situation, he can't deny you. See, it's not that he just doesn't want to deny you that's, that's enough. But cannot deny you means there is legal implications involved in that. And that God can't break his word because if he did, the entire universe would become unraveled because he spoke it all into existence. And it would basically take his character and be undone with. Now, let me show you a couple more words real quick. So, the word cannot cannot. That's a good word, cannot, especially when it's talking about God. God cannot. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthen us, but he cannot. Like, in other words, uh, he cannot lie. Okay, now let's look at this word cannot. Listen to this. Dineity. It's the present indicative. Do you know what that indicative means? It means that it's only based on the facts, it's based on the facts in that in the grammatics. Based on the facts. What's the fact? He cannot. So right off just just the tense that this Greek word's in tells us already that that's enough. Listen to this. <laughs> it's not possible. I love that. It's not possible. OK, and then the word deny is our neomahi, And it's in the aorist tense that he cannot deny or the word reject. It's in the aorist tense. That means there was an action. Aorist er- tense is the past. It was an action that happened in the past that secured from him ever rejecting us. And where was that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took our place as us and for us as he hung across that cross and God judged it as if that was us being rejected so that once Jesus raised from the dead and we were put in him, he cannot deny himself. He can never reject us. That's just good news. So I want to pray for you guys. Listen, we're all going through it. Don't let the smiley faces and the clean clothes and, you know, walking to church saying all the Christian needs changed, that we're all going through something. It's a perfect time to sit down and to sit down. And I'm going to pray for each one of us, for our church, that God would give us the ability to be able to do what we seem so hard for us to do. That it takes the weight off of us And now we can wait for him to move. And man, let me tell you, when he moves, things are never the same. I was just sitting there talking to my wife and I was like, you know, you can get sort of like, we've got, we just got it good right now. Like, you know, in a way that we didn't have before, you know, Um, we went, we went through a bankruptcy like a year ago and we were about to live on the streets. I mean, we probably would have had to stay with my mom or her mom. We wouldn't actually been on the streets, but that would have been a real uncomfortable situation. But we were about to lose everything. And today God has restored it. And I look and I'm like, man, I'm so thankful. And I didn't deserve it. But it was his good pleasure to give it to me. And guess what? It's his good pleasure to give you what your longing heart's desire is, not just your necessities, but what's the longing of your heart that you want. Well, guess what? He cares about that, and he wants to give that to you. He might need to prepare you for a season before he gives it to you, but he's preparing you. He's not preparing the blessing. It's already been paid for. He's preparing you so that you can receive it at the right place at the right time, and then you'll be able to fully enjoy it. That I know to be true looking back on my life. But guess what? While we're waiting, he will give us the ability to rest. Have we ever do, like, on a regular basis, I'm always like, God, help me to rest because I want to pick it up and I want to do it on my own. Because I'm tired of waiting. But I know this. I've been in things for a long time that I never thought were going to get turned around. And he turned them around. 28 years. An addiction. 20 of them while I was a Christian. And I've got almost 10 years free. He can do it. If He can do that, He can do just about anything. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time. And we just come in a posture of receiving from you. We know we can't do it on our own. Lord, give each one of us an abundance of grace. and the gift of righteousness so that we may reign in life and that we may be able to rest. I just pray that even in this upcoming week that we just see areas that you're helping us to rest in that we weren't able before and we'll have testimonies next week of how you've been doing the work that you say that you're gonna do and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.